A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Oh, things are really starting to change quick this morning as far as weather is concerned, and it really all depends where you are. We've been talking about that for the past couple of days. We'll talk about it again when Stu Mock, our Ag Meteorologist, joins us. How you doing, everybody? Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee. Glad to be along with you. Again, it's an alert day as far as weather around Wisconsin's concerned. And once we get through this precipitation, whether it's snow, rain, ice, sleet, whatever, then it's going to be all about cold temperatures. Starting as soon as this afternoon. We'll touch out today probably with a high of around 34. Then the thermometer starts dropping tonight. Tomorrow, a high of maybe 13. And by the time we get into Saturday and Sunday. All we're talking about are wind chills in the minus category. Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist, has those weather details, as I'm sure he's thrilled to bring you, coming up in a little bit. Everyone at the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board lives and breathes Wisconsin soybeans and can be your knowledgeable ally in the field and at home. With important grower alerts, timely production advice and industry news, and expert-generated grower research, we are the resource to help your crop and business thrive. Stay in the know and connect with the Wisconsin Soybean Community by finding Badger Bean on Facebook or by visiting badgerbean.com. The cold snap that we've got coming our way later this week, not something that we welcome, but I'll tell you what, in this kind of weather, there's still some things that can get done. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Now, granted, we may not like what we have to get done outside in the elements, but Caitlin, you know, like I said, this is the time of the year where there's a lot of projects that still move forward because this is the only time of the year when they can. That's right, Pam. Winter is waterway construction season, and that's exactly what folks in the Alma area along the Mississippi River might be seeing. Now, Alma's a little more than an hour northwest of us here in La Crosse at the western end of the world's longest barn. This is Caitlin Riley, and I connect with Joe Schrader. He's the project manager for the winter maintenance that's happening at Lock and Dam 4. And as you probably know, our waterways are pretty crucial for moving goods both up and downstream. But what I didn't realize was how much work goes into maintaining these moving parts. And I asked Joe to describe what happens with a project like this. Every dam has a 20-year cycle where we, we go in and we look and do the maintenance repair where we, we put in these big bulkheads on the upstream side of the lock and the downstream side of the lock. And then we pump out all this water and we kind of do maintenance like you do maintenance for your car. You know, if you don't check your oil on your car, if you don't check all the fluids, if you're not looking at the brakes and, and updating everything, your car isn't going to last. And these locks are, I think, 85 years old. And if we're not doing maintenance on these locks, I don't know if they would be lasting that long. So it's important to keep these locks up and running. And it's a great opportunity to get out and get this done. Now, this year's with the weather, it's been beautiful. But in the past, it gets a little bit colder. But, you know, the, the guys that do this, our, our own Corps of Engineer maintenance and repair crew, and they do an amazing job. They work 24 hours a day in rain, snow, sun, wind, cloudy. They are out there working every single day. So kudos to them and what they're doing out there. 
Like you said, knock on wood, the weather has been fairly decent, but why winter? Why is that the ideal time to be working on a lock and dam system? Well, we have the luxury, believe it or not, the luxury of having the Mississippi River freeze over. And when it can freeze over, that means that there is a navigation season slows down and stops. And when that stops, we have a certain amount of time that we can get in and do this work. Whereas if you start looking downriver, they have two lock chambers that the boats can go through. So that ties them up to where they could only use one if they're dewatering one. Whereas here, there is no traffic. We don't have to worry about it. The one thing that's really important though for us is that we only have that non-navigation season to do the work. So roughly we start about early December and the project goes till about mid-March. And it usually on the last day of non-navigation season, we are putting in those big bulkheads and starting to pump down the water to get going because it does become a very tight schedule as we uh, make sure that we are open for the navigation season here in the spring. Do you know what the cost of something like this is? I know, like you said, this isn't something that you guys are doing every year, but it is something that needs to be maintained. It does. And this project is roughly four and a half million dollars. When you look at up and down the river, it can go upwards to five million, depending on if we have to travel to get to the site or not. But for the most part, it's four and a half million. If we can break down the project a little bit, we really kind of dissect the project down into individual parts. Like we'll look at the concrete. You know, if there's bad concrete along the walls, that maybe is could be a potential chip hazard where it would fall off. We grind it out, we re-pour the concrete, and we make sure that it's up and running and it's done well. We also look at the bottom floor. So one thing about by a river, there's a lot of groundwater, and we have these holes, these weep holes are called, and the weep holes let the groundwater into the lock. And if we wouldn't have that, the concrete floor would actually buckle, and we would create more of, a, of an issue. So we auger them out, and then we recompact them with gravel so that way they are they can last another 20 years and then when we start looking at the big items like the the miter gates so the gates that actually open and shut to let the lock work the way it's supposed to are called miter gates and we'll take them apart and we clean off the steel if you go by there if you see it we put up scaffolding up to the uh, top and then we kind of encompass it in polyurethane or polyplastic so at night We'll go in there and we will sandblast the paint and clean up the gates and make them ready for painting. And the interesting thing about that, Caitlin, is we don't use any heat inside as we are sandblasting because it could create rust. So during the day when we're painting, we can heat that inside that scaffolding of the gates. And that way, you know, they have a little bit nicer temperature to work in. But at night when we're sandblasting, it's, it's no such luck. So those poor guys are out there in the cold and they're they're sandblasting away. What we do is we then paint the gates and get those ready. We look at what the gates actually sit on, which is a pintle. We'll lift up these gates. These gates are roughly, I would say, 64 to 65, 66 tons. We get these hydraulic jacks and we lift up these big gates and then we do our maintenance underneath the gate even to make sure that everything is up and running and there's no warps or bends and we make everything straight and we make sure that these pintles or bushings that they're sitting on are uh, greased and everything is ready. We, re we replace the grease lines, easier said than and apparently I'm making it out to be, but we, we re-grease everything 
and we make sure that those gates are running properly. Another big item that we do is our bubbler pipe system, which sits in the front of the gates. And it's important because in the winter, we run those bubbler so that way ice doesn't build up onto the gates. During the summer, it's more for when, let's say, you know, on the Mississippi River, we have a lot of logs and trees and debris that come floating down. And if they get stuck in between where those gates can open, well, then the lock is shut down. So what we do is we turn on those bubblers. Those bubblers push that debris right out of the area so the gates can open, and it, it just makes it more efficient. Another couple things that we do, we look at the seals. So we have some seals being like rubber gaskets that we make sure that are all in place. We're sandblasting and we're painting the clamps that are involved with them. And we look at our tinker valves. Those are the actual gates that sit kind of out of sight. And that's letting the water actually go in to the lock and out of the lock. So some people think that the locks and dams are ran by pumps. And we pump water in to raise the water up to the upstream elevation, and then we pump it out to raise it to the lower end. But actually, it's done through gravity. And we just open these gates, and the water levels out on the upstream side. And then when we want to lower the water, we open up the downstream gates, and that water goes out and lowers down to the lower elevation. So we don't actually have the pumps for that. We use this uh, tainer valve system. There's so many things in there that I underestimated when I thought about not only the use of these locks and dams, but also the construction in them. A lot of literal moving pieces that you guys have to cover. Exactly. So we don't have a contract per se of like a construction contract, but we do use our own maintenance and repair crew. And one of the important aspects of that is that they've seen these locks and dams. They know the ins and outs. They can recognize issues that may come up as others may not. And that's a huge benefit for us that we know what to do. We know exactly how to handle these certain issues. And we can make sure that we meet that timeline that the lock opens up here in mid-March. And like you said before, that timeline is pretty crucial because that's when we will be seeing a lot of that water traffic moving. And what kind of traffic do you see coming down those waterways? And why is that so important? Well, what we see going up and down the river actually at Lock and Dam 4 is barge traffic and recreational traffic. The average for the last five years is a little over 6,000 loaded barges and roughly a little over 4,000 recreational traffic going through up and down the river. The total tons of commerce that comes through that lock just in last year alone was 10 million tons of cargo. So it's an important lock to maintain as are the others along the Mississippi. What you see going downstream usually is corn and soybeans. That's where we had the most commerce filled with barges. And then going upstream, you're looking more like fertilizer, salt, cement that's pushed up to the north, up to probably the cities. Really key aspects of the industries, whether you're talking about agriculture, construction, anything, that affects the economy here in the Midwest. You mentioned you closed it in December, looking to open it up in the middle of March. And right now things are going pretty well. Any anticipation that you guys would be ahead of schedule if the weather keeps up? No, you know, it's such a tight schedule, Caitlin, that we'll finish on time. And that's really a good thing for this project. We've completed the downstream gates. We've sandblasted, painted them, and I think they are ready to be put back on there. 
their pintles and everything will be good at the lower end. Now we're just looking at the upstream end. You know, if we find anything, we, we make sure that we have that extra time. So I, I can't say that we will finish on ahead of schedule, but I know we'll finish on schedule. I think those are all the questions that I have for you. Is there anything else that you want to add? Anything else that you want people to know? Uh, one of the important things of the project and, and why the lock and dam system is is an important thing to have is it's a reliable transportation source on the water. The roads can shut down, but the lock and you know, the river really never does. And that's important. If you look at the river and you see a barge on the river, that one barge holds the equivalent to about 70 semi-truck loads of cargo. So if you think of like the carbon footprint that we are saving because of using our barge traffic can be substantial. And, and I think that's important that there's reasons why we use the locks and dams and why we keep them up to date. And that's uh, a huge benefit. Sustainability is a, a driving force in what we're doing today here at the Corps of Engineers as well. Thank you, Joe. And once again, that's Joe Schrader. He's a project manager for those repairs being done on Lock and Dam 4 near Alma. And like he mentioned, there are a lot of moving parts of projects like this, but they will be finished by March in time to be ready to let more traffic move through during the waterway season. From the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse, I'm Kate Riley. What weather is in store for the Midwest today? Stay tuned as ag meteorologist Stu Muck gives you the latest forecast in just moments, right here on the Midwest Farm Report. There's big discounts during the Kubota sales event February 1st through the 6th at Johnson Tractor in Janesville, Judah, and Harvard. How big? How about up to $5,200 off the Kubota SVL 65 or up to $2,000 off L-Series tractors? The Kubota BX23S has savings of up to $1,600 as well. See Johnson Tractor's Facebook page for details on all the great deals. Johnson Tractor's Kubota sales event is happening February 1st through the 6th in Janesville, Judah, and Harvard. Johnson Tractor from land to lawn. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today, we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Collini Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. No doubt about it. The best seat in the house is the one in your bathroom. The toilet is one of those things you never expect to act up or break down. But when it does, Benjamin Plumbing will have one of their capable service techs check things out. It could be something as simple as a float valve. Or it could be you're due for a brand new, comfy toilet. And not to worry, the majority of Benjamin Plumbing's residential repairs are more affordable than you might think. Plus, they stand by their work with a warranty on all parts, labor, and repairs. Temperamental Toilet? Contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. She's sweeter than a glass of chocolate milk and louder than a morning rooster. 
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, the weather forecast is not at all sweet as we look at what's happening on a Thursday, and it's really changing fairly quickly depending on where you are. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live. I'm going to just let you take it because, like I said, from La Crosse to Mauston, Madison, Beaverdam, Fond du Lac, all, everybody's got a little something going on today. Everybody's going to have something going on. It all starts out with a winter weather advisory in all of our areas just to our north. I mean, we're talking as close as Wood and Portage County. Uh, There's going to be winter storm warnings. We have a winter weather advisory in effect until midnight tonight at La Crosse and Mauston. Kicking off this morning, already started at Madison, but starting in the next couple of hours for Beaver Dam, Fond du Lac, and Oshkosh. That lasts until noon tomorrow. A lot of that has to do with wind and blowing snow and lack of visibilities. Right now, we look at some snow that's built up from western Iowa into southern and east-central Minnesota, northwest Wisconsin up toward Wausau as well already this morning. And there is just a little snow toward Washera County, western Marquette County as well, all moving from southwest to northeast. So we're going to see that snow develop this morning. As it starts, there's a possibility we could get just a little patchy freezing rain, uh, mistiness or something. It could make it extra slippery built in. And then it's just going to change over to snow. We all know temperature is going to fall, getting colder, staying a lot colder right through the weekend, right into next week. A lot more wind kicks up as we head on toward tonight and into the day tomorrow so we add to the chill as well i'll have forecast specifics right after this farmers understand return on investment they understand the power and the value of the sun cameron olson owner of olson solar energy this is just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value it's a business decision everything that farmers do and don't do on their land and their with their property is money (laughs) so One of the things that I heard one farmer say, it's a crop that I am yielding. (laughs) Uh, Instead of harvesting corn on this little section, he's harvesting sunlight to make electricity. You should reach out to us, and we will come out there for a very specialized, specific quote for you to look at your farm. We can put solar anywhere. We can put it on a barn. We can put it on the ground. We can put it on a hill. (laughs) So we can put it anywhere that makes sense to you and your farm and your situation. And then once we design that, Even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a $0 energy bill. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. All righty, Stu, let's have those uh, specific details. All right. Well, the winter weather advisory, you know, we've talked about, and I expect that along with cloudy skies, it gets a bit more breezy today and there'll be some snow. A little freezing rain could mix in in the early morning hours today. I expect more snow by midday and afternoon just to be snow. Uh, We'll be in the almost mid-30s today, but temps will fall at La Crosse and Mauston in the afternoon, dropping back through the 20s. South winds today, 5 to 15, uh, gusting up toward 30, become west and northwest first in the west, then later on in the east. I'd expect cloudy skies and some snow yet overnight. Single-digit lows, west winds 10 to 20, gusting to 35. A few flurries, a very light snow with a mostly cloudy, colder Friday, only about 12 degrees or so. West winds 10 to 20, gusting to 30, partly sunny Saturday, maybe an afternoon flurry, about 8 above. Still with a strong west wind, 8 to 18. I'd say, Pam, for lacrosse in Mauston, about 4 to 6 inches. All the rest of us, about 2 to 4. Heavier back home, northeast Wisconsin could be looking upwards of 8 or better. So they're going to get their shot this time. Uh, No lake effect down towards Milwaukee? A little bit, but it doesn't look to be as big of a deal. 
Okay, and you know, so maybe an extra inch. By the time we get through what Friday morning, it'll be done. Then, then it's just cold. Yeah, then it's just cold and windy and blowing and all right winter cleanup. We'll count the numbers tomorrow. Then, thanks, buddy. Take care. Stumach, our ag meteorologist, with the weather details. So exercise caution. Make sure that you're thinking ahead. This storm's going to be around for a little while. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Because farm is in our name, you know that we care about the health and well-being of your animals. We carry an unbeatable selection of superior quality bulk feed as well as probiotics, dewormers, buckets, blankets, bedding, and more. Everything you need to keep your animals healthy and feeling their best. Right now, Blaine's Farm and Fleet, when you buy any three bags of Neutrina feed, get the fourth one free. Save on 200-pound tubs of all-natural protein for cattle. On sale, just $54.99. Rewards members pay $52.99. Stock up on 25-pound bags of Nutristar Kid Non-Medicated Milk Replacer and 25-pound bags of Advanced Lamb Non-Medicated Milk Replacer. Your choice, just $39.99. And save 20% on Performance Tool Automotive Specialty Tools. Plus, check out this great doorbuster deal. Right now, take $3 off 50-pound bags of Farm and Fleet Performance Dog or 40-pound bags of Original Cat Food. And mark your calendars for Chick Days. Coming soon, go to FarmandFleet.com for all the details. That's genuine value from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. As a contractor, time is money. At Advanced Concrete, we pride ourselves on excellent service, like being on time with your delivery, having prompt and experienced drivers. We think you'll agree... Advanced Concrete outperforms the other guys. The concrete producing company. The contractors rely on Advanced Concrete. Producing concrete foundations to maintain concrete relationships. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We've built our bank around no-nonsense solutions and removed the barriers between you and your money. We've made every ATM your ATM with unlimited refunds on surcharge fees. With our mobile app, deposit your checks and pay your bills. Simplify savings with smart automation. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank. Timely decisions. Lenders you know. Member FDIC. Equal Opportunity Lender. How is it that we can have smoker's lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert, Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age-related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Huh, nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This 
is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Smog, garbage, sewers, car exhaust. Today's world puts our sense of smell on overload. Luckily, there are places we can go to refocus our senses. Our national wildlife refuges. When you visit, your nose will instantly recognize the purity of nature. Bask in the aromatic scent of the black pine trees blowing in the wind. Detect the sweet fragrance of primroses, wild violets, and blue sage. Smell the fresh salt water in the air as waves crash into rocky shoals. When you smell these things, you're smelling the world the way we found it. With over 500 refuges across America, you don't have to go far to make a special connection with nature. Learn more at fws.gov refuges. That's fws.gov refuges. Welcome in Mark Strobel to Strobies. What's up, man? Well, boys have been playing good hockey. Uh, it's been fun to be around this bunch, and um, I'm really excited again about another week of, um, you know, a, a challenge for sure and a, and a spot, uh, an opportunity to get in the first place in the Big Ten and the men's ice hockey standing. So well, hell yeah, all about opportunity again this week for us. Strobes, let me ask you, brother. I mean, you're coming off that nice little uh, that nice little sweep of Michigan State at Laban Arena. How was that six nothing flurry of goal victory for you, my man? Yeah, it was great. It was well executed. I thought uh, again we we dominated um, certainly that first night. We knew they were going to come out the second night and try to uh, you know bottle up uh, the neutral zone and, and their D zone and not give us much room and space and time. And you know one to one in the third. And, um, you know, a five-minute power play, I know we finally caught a break there, and we executed a couple power play goals. And, and again, good teams, I've said it for a few years, and I'll find a way to pull that game out and, and have your, your players, uh, your big-time players, uh, step up and make plays when they needed to, and we certainly did. Uh, and Bice scoring a really nice power play goal, and then Cole Caulfield, you know, wired one in the upper corner on a backdoor uh, power play goal, and, uh, you know, it was, it was fun to be a part of. I just, I, I really like uh, how we're playing right now, and uh, guys are caring about each other. Our defense is playing defense. Our forwards are coming back to help out, and our goaltenders have been really stout lately. So that that's been a good, uh, hell yeah, a good find this year for us, and and really a stabilized your team. Hey Strobes, when you go with the six nothing victory, what do you say to the team afterwards for the next game? You know, it's like, hey, the goals aren't going to come easy like that. Like, what do you say to keep the head no, absolutely. No, we respect our opponents, I think, you know, and you have to in this league and anytime you play any sport, you know. But I think what we kind of, the message was, hey, it was a good win. We 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 did our jobs. Everyone, you know, played their role to a T. And then in the end, we, we you wipe that one. You put it in the win column. You keep climbing the ladder uh, in the standings. But, but now we know, again, good teams will adjust. Smart coaches will adjust. And, and like you said, respecting those guys, they did. And we knew it was going to be a dogfight getting through traffic. 
and they built walls on us a little bit and had long sticks and were very physical and um, you had to earn everything you got for ice time and 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 ice space I should say and uh, yeah. we did and and taking that five minute penalty we earned that one because again we were out working them down low and and we finally wore them down and then you you, you take a penalty like that whether it's a trip a hold a hit from behind you know they're, they're nervous that that we're just working. Uh, in too many good areas to, to have a chance, so it worked to our benefit. Uh, Barry, I want to ask you something about Minnesota coming up here, but first, Strobes, real quick, I see that Cole Caulfield and uh, what uh, what Dylan Holloway, the one and two Big Ten stars of the week, how's it feel to have both those boys on the Badgers? Great. You know, I'm not surprised. Those are those guys have come back since the World Juniors and plugged right back in to being Badgers, and that was a, that was a big thing for us to hey we're proud of what you did for the country and in the uh, time you were gone but now it's come back and refocus um for the jersey you wear at the, your institution and i've been really proud of those two guys and, and i believe they can keep it up their leadership without wearing patches both those guys uh, certainly lead by example their attitudes are phenomenal the way they play right now in both sides of the puck uh is exactly what you know we want out of them and and they've been extremely coachable and um, to, to have our guys kind of feed off of those two, uh, not to mention even our captains in, in Baker and Bice and Inamoto and Emerson, those guys have really led the way in making sure that things stay tight and nobody's ego gets you know out of check and out of whack, and, and we're all pulling the uh, strings for one common goal, and that's the Big Ten Championship. So it's been really good, and those guys deserve their accolades, but it's, it's been on the other side of the puck that I've been impressed that they're coming back to help out in their own end. Nice. Yeah, no egos here, though, right? Barry Richter joining us, Mark Strobel joining us right now, talking Wisconsin hockey. All right, Richter, we got a border battle on our hands, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. How big, how huge is this rivalry, Barry, when it comes to you know Wisconsin hockey versus Golden Gopher hockey? Well, I think it's gotten better in the last several years, and uh, and Coach Strobel will probably attest to that. But before then, it was sort of just uh, one of those things that just, you know, was okay. You know, it was. Uh, but now I think there's some there's some some rivalry going on. Uh, the programs both are getting back in the swing, and uh, and Minnesota's got top notch program. So I mean, it's uh, and and here the Badgers are staring at them above them. So. They're a very skilled team. It's going to be uh, very tough, tough to go in there. But they got they got a big rink. You can hear her clearly, even in a barn full of cows. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, the crazy weather has already started to unfold depending on where you are, and it sounds like the wind is going to become a real issue starting later this afternoon into the overnight hours and continuing on Friday. Good thing I've got the volume. You'll be able to hear me. We want you to hear him. He's in the Windy City this morning. Zach Bauer is vice president of Rice Dairy down in Chicago, our special guest. He'll be joining us before we finish up on a Thursday. I'm Pam Yankee. Now, from Landmark Services Cooperative Agri News Desk, here's what's happening on the fourth day of February. On this day in 1789, George Washington elected the first president of the United States. He actually took office on April 30th, but he was elected today back in 1789. On this day in 1861, the Confederate States of America were gathered together six slave states at that time, Montgomery, Alabama, to form the Confederacy, which lasted only until 1865, but it started on this day in 1861. And on this date, in 2004, 
something that probably almost everybody in the audience has used, is used, has been used by Facebook was founded on this date back in 2004. Today, they say they've got over a billion active users. And now you know. Well, we want you to know that the cattle industry, our livestock industry as a whole, is continuing to work through the challenges of the pandemic. Josh Scrambling got a chance to visit recently with UW-River Falls ag economist Brenda Battelle about the situation. What can we expect to happen in the livestock industry this year? As we continue to wade our way further into 2021, we kind of have a little bit of a picture as to what is in store. Dr. Brenda Botel is a professor and a livestock specialist at UW-River Falls. She joins me right now. And Dr. Botel, what would you say is the biggest threat towards the livestock industry this year? And what's the biggest opportunity for the industry this year? Well, the biggest threat is uh, still related to the coronavirus, um, and it, that would be the potential for changes in demand. You know, uh, as we go into 2021, um, we are hoping, basically, that we can get back to where we have um, full-service restaurants being able to operate at a capacity that they typically were at before coronavirus, um, and so that people can go out to eat. Uh, that's going to have an impact. But then the other part of the coronavirus is if we end up into a uh, some type of recession or some type of economic downturn, that's going to have a big impact on protein demands, particularly those that are the higher priced, which would be beef demand. So those are the big things that we really want to pay attention to in 2021. I've always got to ask about our meat processors, and that could be the local meat processors or the giants of the industry. How are they holding up? Well, as, as let's talk about the giants of the industry right now. You know, if we go back to 2020, there was a lot of problems right there because of all of the coronavirus and that they had to do shutdowns. Then they had to come back in and put in a lot of safety protocols and measures in order to be able to get people back to work. Um, you know, so that's still, because of that, that's still having some um, effects on the industry as a whole. And we'll, like in the cattle industry and beef industry, we'll see that through 2021. Um, the bigger thing is, you know, at what point will um, some of these some of these processors uh, be able to? And I don't want to say go back to um, normal, but where will we? When will that process kind of work itself through in the system? So, you know, as we saw when the larger ones shut down, um, a lot of people went to some of those smaller locker plants. Uh, and so they were booked way out. I mean, some of those cases where they've made bookings, um, you know, a couple of years in advance at this point now. So, you know, that's um, creating an issue where we just don't have from a capacity point, you know, we don't have that capacity. As we start to add capacity, you know, that's going to um, have an impact then on the industry, particularly because we're adding capacity. Um, we've been at high with production for pork and for beef. But as you see, we're going to start declining some of that production here soon. So that's going to have some changes. It, it takes a while because, you know, it, it never um, very quickly do we add the capacity, nor do we very quickly change the herd sizes of these animals. But, you know, it is something to be paying attention to on how much that pay changes here in the next couple of years. And then here's the multi-billion dollar question. It's a question I've been asking since last April. How big is the backlog of both hogs and cattle in this country? Do we have any idea? Well, um, so let's talk from from the cattle point. You know, the backlog is 
We're going to see a lot more slaughter in the first quarter here of 2021 because those animals weren't placed until the third quarter of 2020, um, just because of the shutdown. You know, um, that then that that's slowly working itself through. We should probably be able to get through that backlog from cattle by I'm I'm going to say early to mid part of quarter three of 2021. Obviously, the further we get into it by summer, it's it's going to be very slight, that backlog still, but there'll still be a little bit there. Um, but by third quarter, we should be through that. With hogs, um, you know, it's still it's going to go through a little bit faster than that. Um, we're still seeing some impacts there, um, it, but some of that is just in the general overall of the of the industry. As you as you recall, back last year, the unfortunate part with hogs is that you know you can't slow them down quite to the extent. You know, biologically, it's different than with cattle. We can't slow them down quite to the extent that you can with cattle or hold them as long. So unfortunately, we ended up having to euthanize a large number of animals um, last summer. Um, so I don't want to say that's speeding up, but that biological process speeds up the process of getting through the backlog a little faster. Um, but from an industry point, it's still going to have some impact here for the, little, the first part of this year. That is Dr. Brenda Botel. She is a professor and livestock specialist at UW-River Falls. A quick livestock update there from her on the backlog, how processors are holding up, and what we can expect in 2021. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. All righty. Thank you, Josh. Now, markets, as far as electronic trade was concerned, corn, beans, wheat, everything was stronger yesterday. December corn was up four cents at 451. November soybeans closed almost six cents higher at 1156. July wheat, that was up three at 633 a bushel. Barrel cheese on Wednesday was up two and a quarter at 141 and a quarter. 40 pound block cheese dropped three and a quarter to 155 and three quarters. Double A butter was unchanged, 129 and a quarter. Now, the fluid milk contract for February dropped. Up 12 at 15.60. March milk down 20 at 16.05 a hundredweight. So what is going on with dairy? Well, we're going to talk about it coming up in just a moment. Zach Bowers from Rice Dairy in the Windy City of Chicago, also part of EverAg, is going to be joining us live next to give you his perspective on the dairy trade. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There's big discounts during the Kubota sales event February 1st through the 6th at Johnson Tractor in Janesville, Judah, and Harvard. It's a blowout sale on prosumer and commercial zero-turn models with 0% financing. There's also fleet and first responder discounts available. See Johnson Tractor's Facebook page for details on all the great Kubota deals. Johnson Tractor's Kubota sales event is happening February 1st through the 6th at all three of their locations in Janesville, Judah, and Harvard. Johnson Tractor from land to lawn. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's the grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for money-saving member benefits, like savings on select John Deere equipment and more. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. 
Rural Mutual Insurance recently issued a special dividend to support their auto, home, farm, and business customers to help keep Wisconsin strong. This dividend will pay out over $5 million back to their policyholders. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. This is the story of Daniel, who was born two months early. His lungs weren't ready. His heart wasn't ready. His parents could only hope that one day he would leave the hospital healthy, and they would all live happily ever after. Daniel's is just one of the more than 500,000 stories of babies born prematurely last year. You can help the March of Dimes stop premature birth and bring more babies home healthy. Learn how at marchofdimes.com. Working together for stronger, healthier babies. Sure, she'll stop farming when pigs fly. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. All right, we don't want to disappoint on a Thursday. I told you that it was going to be windy around Wisconsin. Let's head to the Windy City and visit now with Zach Bowers, Vice President Rice Dairy down in Chicago, the Windy City, and also a part of the Ever Ag Group as we take another look at what's happening as far as the dairy markets and the dairy situation out there. So, Zach, the first thing I want to start with this morning is I was watching the national news and Biden administration now all of a sudden seems to want to review all of the USDA funding that had been going out to farmers. I'm not sure exactly where they're, where they're limited per se, but I thought about you automatically because of the Farmers to Families Food Box program. Is that caught up in this administrative review? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, kind of biggest thing we had this changeover of administration here and the first thing he did was you know put a stop to all coronavirus relief payments put everything else under review um the big thing that happened this week tom vilsack was uh nominated as u.s secretary of ag um as many of you probably know he comes from the u.s dairy export council so he should hopefully uh lean favor favorably towards the dairy industry um and in his nomination speech uh, he brought up that some of the key points um, for him are nutrition assistance across the country and getting corona relief payments out to farmers. So uh, I think it was a little bit of a shock at first to read that and kind of lean toward what way the administration is looking at the agricultural community. Uh, but now with Tom being in there, uh, I think we can kind of rest easy that those payments should go out uh, pending the review. Uh, the bigger question, of course, as you hinted at, is what does that mean for farmers to family food box? Um, you know, they, they allocated $1.5 billion for it. Uh, when they came out and awarded contracts, they only, they only spent $350 million of it. And as soon as that came out, uh, we went from $20 milk down to $16 milk. Because the matter of fact is the fundamentals are we have way more milk, 3% higher milk production. We're not killing enough cows. Um, and cheese production is way up, especially in the block cheese market with the new Glambia plant out of Michigan. Um, so it's going to be very interesting, and all eyes on the market are on what uh, Vilsack is going to do, what the Biden administration is going to do. Uh, if they do come out and award the rest of that you know, remaining $1.2 billion after the review to more food box, uh, that should really help clean up some of this excess milk and cheese on the market and, and bring back some better prices, which I think is kind of why we're seeing you're seeing the front months sell off while the back half are holding in there um, as, you know, the front months have to have to respect the price that cheese is trading at, uh, which is about 150 
on average, um, where the back half, they can kind of remain hopeful that we're going to see more uh, government purchases in here. And nobody's really selling that off hard yet because, you know, Biden and Vilsack have both now said that nutrition assistance is one of their major priorities. Um, and, you know, you got Biden talking about a $2 trillion relief package. Um, it's hard to imagine there's not going to be some more food box style programs in that. So, again, um, uncertainty is key right now, and that's all just based around, you know, what this new administration is going to be doing. Right. Well, and we had said before, the the only thing we knew kind of going into this was that the Farmers to Families Food Box Program had played well, regardless of party, regardless of administration. So, yeah, to your point, uh, hopefully we'll see that keep going forward. Zach Bowers along with us. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the other elements of dairy. I want to go back to something you pointed out, and that is that, holy man, we got a lot of cows out there. Not Wisconsin, but as a whole, as far as the dairy dairy commodity uh, producing states, more cows out there. But then I saw a report, uh, Zach, that said uh, not so many heifers. Is that something that the market is noting, or could we care less about that? You know, I think that's kind of been rumored across the industry for a couple years now that the heifer pipeline isn't there. Uh, nowadays with sex semen, I don't think it's it's really quite as big an issue as, as some people lead on to. Um, and kind of the bigger issue is that, you know, you're looking at a cow slaughter report where, again, we killed 2% less cows, um, and, and we killed way too less amount of cows uh, last year. So they're milking cows longer. Um, I don't think that the heifer the heifer shortage will be quite as big a deal. Um, there's definitely cows out there if you need them, and, and they're actually relatively cheap, it sounds like, when, in talking to some dairymen. So uh I'm not quite as worried about that um, as much as I am about how much milk we have. <laughs> yeah, I believe you there. That And dairy farmers alike thinking the same thing. So what about what's happening on the global side then, uh, Zach? We're talking a lot about you know domestic here where we've got milk and cheese and a lot of dairy products and storage. But what about the world? Did we have uh, a global auction this week? Or is there anything to note about what's happening on the global scene? Yeah, no, uh, you brought up a great point. Uh, kind of the beauty of the fact that we are at these low prices right now is that we are by far the cheapest in the world once again. Uh, New Zealand had another auction. Cheese was higher. They're running about 185, uh, and Europe is running in the same range, 175 to 190. Uh, Europe has been way down on milk to start the year just because of the very strict regulations that they put in place for agriculture, uh, as well as some feed issues that they're working through from last year. Uh, so if their milk production remains lower um, and China still has an appetite for New Zealand, uh, we're, we're by far going to be the next stop for exports. So I think we should really start seeing some good exports coming out here. Um, some issues right now at the ports, it sounds like, getting containers to get them out. Uh, but at the end of the day, the cheese, the butter, the nonfat it is being sold. Um, we just got to get some, some backups at the ports figured out and, and we'll get it out of the country. Mm. Uh, so I, th- I think we'll continue to see um the export bid come into the market as we are you know we're way cheaper than the rest of the world we got two dollar butter in europe and new zealand 150 non-fat over there um so pretty much every product uh in the dairy industry we we are by far the cheapest so we should see some strong exports coming in off that all right zach bowers along with us uh, from rice dairy down in the windy city of chicago also part of the ever ag group and that's where you can find him if you want to check out his biography or reach out to him for some uh, strategic protection on these milk prices, ever 
ag is what you want to look for. So let's talk about strategy then, Zach, um, not knowing what's coming. We got all these extra cows out there that we didn't expect. Uh, spring flush will be just around the corner. Uh, uncertainty in the administration. So what are you advising your clients then as far as tools and uh, protection methods they should be eyeballing and trying to put in place? Yeah, with with all the uncertainty for kind of two extremes, you know, you've got the extreme highs if the government comes in and and starts purchasing again. You know, we saw $25 milk last year. We could potentially see that again if they start throwing that same kind of money around. Um, and then on the flip side, you've got uh, potential for very low prices with how much milk we have and how much excess product we have. So, you know, with that in mind, uh, we've been trying not to be too aggressive uh, in our risk management strategies, uh, putting floors on, you know, whether it's through your dairy revenue protection insurance uh, you're basically going to be able to put a net $16 class three floor on for the year. Um, through that, it's a strong floor uh, that will get you through the highs and the lows. Um, and especially uh, if you're in a state that has risk for big PPDs again, like we had last year, it makes it very difficult to go lock in milk uh, when when you're talking a $17 milk price. And, you know, we saw ranges from 4 to $8 across the country uh, on PPDs. Uh, it, it's not worth that risk. So just trying to, to mitigate the downside, but also allow for a potential of extreme upside if the administration wants to continue food box. Boy, am I ever glad that you brought up PPDs. I'm glad I'm not the only one that's been fielding those difficult conversations. That is, that is uh-huh. definitely something we would like to mitigate and get around. Are you hearing mm-hmm. anything? You know, you mentioned the Glanbia plant up in, in Michigan and that. Are you hearing anything as far as uh, de-pooling, re-pooling of milk? And then they're talking about federal milk order revision out in D.C. too. Any rumblings or anything that you feel comfortable talking about there? There's definitely a lot of rumblings happening, especially after this past year around uh, milk, milk uh, federal order reform. Nothing really strong foothold has taken place out there, but it is on the fronts of everybody's mind. Um, and I hope that within the next couple of years we'll be able to figure something out uh, because that is definitely an issue that, that plagues the dairy industry uh, and we need a solution on Right. Yeah, and like you said, maybe with Tom Vilsack and his U.S. Dairy Export Council experience now, maybe we will see some traction. Very good. Stay warm yep. down there, Zach, and we will catch up with you again, all right? Hey, you too. Thank you very much. Zach Bowers along with us from uh, the Ever Ag Group. He's part of the Rice Dairy Group that's down in Chicago trying to help steer you through these crazy times when it comes to who's in the market for milk. Where's the money coming from? How long is it going to be? You don't want to go it alone. Like I said, ever.ag is the website where you can find Zach and all the rest of the staff to try to get some strategy 